0: So this is uh, episode five of Buffy. Um, Sadie, would you like to tell us your summary of the episode?
1: In which short-lived and disappointing teenage romance becomes an ancient order of vampires rising up to take over the world. (laughs) Pretty much?
0: Yeah, I mean...
1: Did I I misunderstand what the vampires are doing in this one? Because.
0: No, 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 no. I think you definitely got to the heart of the episode without without really describing anything in particular. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, like you have described like the overarching thing, but but so this episode's quite interesting one, like, to me, because it's not um it's not really about like the plot. Like it is in the sense that like the plot point moves the series forward. But like the episode itself is like it's like, uh, it's not like a standalone episode no. that has like a particular like kind of demon that represents a thing or whatever. Yeah. It's just like, it's like a chemistry building episode. Like this is an episode where like you start, like it it just plays around with like Xander Willow, Buffy Giles and gets their relationships kind of built together, gets their characters built. Not, not so much Willow and Xander who are a bit in like the back burner of this episode, but like, yeah, it's just kind of like, um, it's a
1: mid series kind of
0: yeah and 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 for series one which is very based around sort of like monster of the week it Mm. stands out because it's not at the same time it's actually kind of forgettable in itself like you you would sort of your brain thinking back would sort of put all of the parts of the episode in different episodes. Right, cause yeah,
1: because there's memorable moments. Like, we'll get onto porks, Pork and Beans guy, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, like, I feel like, yeah, the episode itself, it's not like Teacher's Pet or something where you remember. Yeah. And I did find it difficult to make notes on, to, to like, summarise what the metaphor is in this episode because it's not like the others where it's like, this baddie means this in the same way. yeah.
0: And I have to say, like, it hits harder watching this after you've watched the whole series of Buffy. Mm. Like, I think I remember watching this, you know, like, back, you know, first time around and being, like, not that taken with it. And I mean, for one, if I was, like, eight years old, then the whole, like, like dating uh, scenario wouldn't have really, like, mm. hit, hit with me or whatever. But it's more the fact that, like, because Buffy, the character, becomes so, like, burdened with responsibility, this is, like... The last time you see her being like this, sort of like girly, kind of giggly mm. teenager, you know, and I think when you when you followed the whole series and then you watch this episode again, that there's like quite a lot of pathos to that.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. It is. It's easy to forget that Buffy is only sixteen. Mm-hmm. Like, in my head, there I was like, she's the same age as Greta Thunberg. Thunberg is that your surname? <laughs> Which is yeah. a really bad comparison if you're talking about her being just a 16 year old girl because n- n- neither of them I know, right? <laughs> both of them I mean, both of them are very exceptional 16 year old
0: girls although it's it's a very good comparison if you're talking about 16 year old girls who are trying to who save the world who have a massive
1: bit of responsibility on their shoulders <laughs>
0: yeah <laughs> yeah 16 so year
1: old girls yeah I mean that's I don't I don't really know any 16 year old girls that yeah. aren't heroic
0: but yeah the cold open um I really like this cold open again because it, it's in terms of its sort of mythology building for, for the series, um, it, uh, it sets up a formula for the first time, uh, where it's like, Buffy's in the graveyard, mm-hmm. there's a fight with a vampire, mm-hmm. just before the vampire is dusted, Buffy gives her quip,
1: mm-hmm. uh,
0: which in this case is Sadie.
1: We haven't been properly introduced, I'm Buffy and you're history.
0: Beautiful beautiful, beautiful beautiful i did not deliver that, that, it
1: as well as sarah michelle but
0: <laughs> oh no don't talk yourself down um, <laughs> don't compare but,
1: yourself to her
0: <laughs> yeah don't don't compare yourself to her or to greta <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like it's sort of i mean it's a very cheesy line in a lot of ways but that is kind of you know there's so many episodes of buffy that are going to open in a graveyard with her giving like a quip like that mm. and this feels like the person. and then giles appears
1: makes a very valid point that she expends far too much um, energy in her flashy fighting style Uh when she could just stab and move on stab and move on
0: oh no no it's not stab and move on it's plunge and move on plunge and move on plunge
1: and move on (laughs) see yeah
0: which again is is this show sort of Settling into its settling into its humour as well, because mm. it's sort of a you know it's like it's to hear Giles, the stuffy British guy, saying like plunge and move on, plunge and move on. Is um, that a sex ris-
1: joke?
0: Oh, it's a little bit risque. Come on.
1: Oh, I didn't get that. Plunge
0: and move on.
1: It
0: yeah. Ooh. um Giles. Yeah, so I guess. Oh yeah, and so then we find out in the opening sequence uh this guy's got a ring is that right
1: yeah so the Dust of vampire well buffy Dust a vampire giles doesn't and then his his ring falls off of his dusted hand and the ring has engravings on it <coughs> symbols
0: yeah so that's also interesting in terms of like it's like the invisible man paradox right it's like the what so usually when well usually when I've just named it the Invisible Man Paradox. But, but you know, it's like... People when you will talk about this in,
1: in books in years yeah. to come.
0: <laughs> no, but, you know, like, like when you turn invisible, it's like, are your clothes invisible or are you naked, right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's never... You know, and then in this one, when a vampire is dusted, usually they, the, the whole of them mm. becomes dusted, including their all of their clothes and, you know, what's the physics of that? So this ring obviously... It's like an anti-dust ring. It I see able what you mean, to, yeah. Yeah, resist the, resist the dusting process. It's endured. Process. Mm-hmm.
1: Very interesting.
0: Um, just another little, like, little insight into the physics of Buffy. Yeah. Uh, then... Uh, oh, yeah, so then it's the opening credits. And then I was just thinking about how... Um, I remembered watching this episode that when I was... Seven, I didn't know the word charisma. So I thought that her name was Charisma. Fair. Cha- charisma Carpenter. Uh, sort of sounds like a, like a Pokemon, actually, <laughs> like Charizard. And then, of course, I learned the word charisma only about three years later when The Sims came out, because. Aha!
1: Uh-huh. You
0: could give your characters charisma points, if I'm not mistaken. Plunge and move on. Plunge and. Hello. Then the episode kicks off. We're in the library, is that right?
1: Uh yeah, we are and we meet Owen in his card again.
0: <clears throat> Owen, very drippy man with a little mini fringe. He
1: is drippy.
0: Um, He's a little
1: bit dreamy. I can see I can see the appeal.
0: He is he is he is dreamy. He's dreamy in that very 90s high school sort of way. Yeah. He's um, dreamier
1: than any of the others we've met so far, I feel.
0: And um, yeah, it's the way he's like, like bookish but handsome. Yeah. You know that's that's the kind of combination that they're going. And he's for. got
1: like a wee necklace, doesn't he? Yeah, he's to sensitive. To
0: show that he's like a bit. Ooh,
1: yeah. A necklace.
0: Yeah. He's necklace. not like
1: the other boys.
0: Mm-hmm. He's more mm-hmm. Owen-y.
1: And, and then he comes in and he says he's in the library because I lost my Emily. Dickinson. Uh-huh. So he's talking about a book of Emily Dickinson's poetry, but he refers to it by just her first name.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, Which... that sh- shows his affinity for her.
1: I guess so. <laughs> I mean, I, I still think it's a little bit odd. Like, mm-hmm. no matter how much you like an author, I would rarely refer to their book by just their first name. He uh
0: he says that he doesn't imagine Buffy to lock herself in a dark room with loads of musty old books.
1: Yeah. Um, he thinks she's more of a party girl, right? Is that
0: yeah. the implication? Yeah. Uh we uh, but it's almost it is also kind of one of those like self neg aggrandizing things like, uh-huh. Oh no, you know, you're not like me. You wouldn't just lock yourself in a room with loads of books. Which which we see more of, which lays the lays the foundations, I think, for Owen's character. I don't yeah, know. Yeah,
1: he's pretty self aggrandizing.
0: Yeah. Um, I do like the moment where Giles is like, oh, Emily Dickinson, she's a very good poet for, and then Buffy goes, a woman. And he goes, for an American. <laughs> yeah. Lovely I
1: him. love, I actually love Giles all the way through this episode. We'll talk more oh, about this. Yeah. But he's no, this is a really no. good episode for Giles.
0: This is, yeah, I think he's the hero of this episode. <laughs> um,
1: I uh, wonder what Owen thinks that uh, Buffy and the school librarian are up to. When, because he, he's in the library with them, and then they have a book out they've been looking at that's something to do with, like, the Order of Aurelius and vampire stuff. And then he comes over to look, and they're both like, no, 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 no you don't want to look at that. So, like, what the fuck does he think that is, is going on in this library?
0: Maybe those uh, sexy witch engravings that Xander's been that's taking out of right. the library. She's quite a good poet. I mean, for uh, a... A girl? American. Um, I did note Owen's second name. Did you pick that up? No. His second name is Thurman. Uh huh. Which, so the, the year is nineteen ninety seven. Um, Owen Thurman, Uma Thurman. I feel like Thurman was maybe chosen because it was like a very zeitgeisty kind of name at the time.
1: Do you think he's related to Uma?
0: Uh within the universe of Buffy.
1: Yeah. Well, because the presumably the actor is not called.
0: Owen, no, Owen no,
1: he's,
0: he's called like Christopher Vile or something. Um, Usually,
1: the actors have different names.
0: Yeah, no, no, no. I think I think it was just chosen because it has it had an air of glamour about it. And then Owen mm. is Owen. I don't know is Owen like a glamorous name? Like, are there a lot of Owens in America?
1: How do you think he spells Owen?
0: Oh, I think he's O like I think he's Owen like
1: o-w-e-n is that like the american way to spell
0: it i think it's actually kind of the welsh way to spell it but it's 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 the american way in the sense that most people in america who have the name would spell it o-w-e-n um Mm. in and then in like the irish way i mean the classical irish way is the way my brother spells it which would be e-o-g yeah like yoghan like Mm. e-o-g-h-a-n we can also accept E-O-I-N. Which is although, my cousin's
1: name, Owen. Yeah,
0: I mean, that feels like, um, that feels like a compromise, to be honest <laughs> to me. But, but yeah, no. I, think, I remember
1: I think... um, my cousin coming over to visit when I was a kid, and uh, one of my pals meeting him, and I don't know, somehow the spelling of his name come, came up, and my pal was like, oh, that's like how an elf would spell Owen.
0: <laughs> my God, did you bit my brother? <laughs> <laughs>
1: that was owen
0: yeah so then we go to the cafeteria
1: oh yeah this is a good scene and it's a good scene
0: again because they're all just so teenage they're yeah all just like teenage friends their like relationship is building with each other their chemistry is building with each other they're making they're making very teenage chat with each other
1: yeah when uh, xander's like oh what is this i think I think it's kale or possibly string cheese.
0: (laughs) Aye. And that was before kale was like, you know, a hip superfood as well, Was it big
1: in California, though? Like, they're a bit ahead of us, aren't they?
0: Yeah, it probably was. But I mean, we're ahead of them. Like, Irish and Scottish diets for hundreds of years had kale at the centre of it.
1: Right enough, yeah. Kale yard fiction in Scotland. Like, we were clearly eating kale a while ago.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. We just, we've, we've... In a non-fancy way like distanced from our our roots there
1: Mm, mm. um and seaweed
0: but yeah picks up speed very fast um Buffy goes over to chat to Owen has that little bump in with with Charisma
1: oh but before that we've got that lovely bit (coughs) where um where where Xander comes in he's like Buffy how'd the slaying go last night I mean, how'd the laying go last night? No, no I don't mean that either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's I know like... it's like kind of a lame joke, but I love it. You vixen.
0: And I like the, there's just a little mini scene next because it's a very like boom, 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 like the editing in this one. Mm. But um, they're talking about it not being a big deal, it being a big deal. And then Willow is like, Giles, tell her it's a very big deal. And again, it's just... A little moment that, like, settles into, like, Willow and Giles' chemistry, you know? Mm. Um, and, yeah, I just... I, I, this this feels like an episode that's just there to, like, make all the characters interact with each other. To
1: me. That's a lovely little exchange. So it's like, yeah, she's like, it's a really big deal. And then he's like, it's a very big deal. And then it's like, wait, what were you talking about? And they're like, yeah. boys? <laughs> Obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So,
0: yeah, And he's
1: talking about the Order of Aurelius and it's all a big misunderstanding and mm-hmm. it's lovely.
0: I'm afraid it's
1: very big. I did have a question about this. Yeah, about go on. the the timing here. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so so Buffy wants to go on the date, and then Giles is like, the the date is to the bronze, so they're gonna be as Cordelia says, a few of us are gonna be lightering in the bronze. Um, I don't know if you call it lightering if you're at a club. I don't know. I guess we don't know how how people talk, spoke in the nineties. Um, but yeah, so Buffy goes out slaying with Giles instead of going on her date, right? And then they're kind of on a stakeout and no vampires turn up. So he dismisses her and then she runs to the bronze, right? Yeah. And then sees him dancing with Cordy and Leafs. Yeah. So does that mean that vampires only rise during club opening hours? Or like before Last Orders? Because he's decided that the vampires definitely aren't coming by that point. I would have just assumed, and clearly I'm wrong, but I would have just assumed that vampires could rise at any point during the night. Which would be a logistical nightmare for (laughs) Buffy who has a day job.
0: So I also had a question about vampire uh, erection times because...
1: (laughs) You said erection times. I
0: know, I know. was quite funny. So... It's like skipping forward and backward and forward and backward a little bit. Um, the, we, we, we do find out that whoever dies dies tonight and it seems to be the next night that they rise.
1: Aha! Uh-huh.
0: However, there's plenty of Buffy episodes where she's waiting by someone's graveside for them to come out of the grave.
1: Right, yeah.
0: And we do know... Well, no, I don't know about the turnover for a death in California... But it's not like you're buried the next day. Like, they tend to have... Surely not, no. Like, no, in the UK, it's very long, generally. It's like 10 days or something. But in Ireland, it's like two days, three days. But I I don't know how many days it is in California. So so I really want... Like, how does it depend on, like the strength of the demon inside them does it depend on the full moon like how do some vampires rise after one night before they've been buried and then other vampires rise after presumably like a week of like you know having an open casket uh in a funeral home and having people visit them and stuff um but but that's just a question you know there seems to be there seems to be a wild variation in when they rise you know Mm. um the scene where Buffy and Giles are at the at the graveyard, I just want to point out, just for being a very beautiful tableau, mm. they're sitting on like the steps of that like statue and mm. Buffy's got her like giant, is it like a tiger print, it's fluffy very coat?
1: 90s and I love it. Yeah.
0: And Giles and all the sweet.
1: I mean, I don't know much about film and filming aesthetics and camera shots and all that, but episode does look particularly good like there's that nice scene later when they're in the funeral home where they kind of like are opening and closing the drawers and the camera is like in the drawers so we kind of mm-hmm. see we see the door opening and closing and then we're kind of move into different points in time and it's just really slick mm-hmm. compared yeah, to know. you know a few episodes ago we had that bit in the bronze where the band are on stage and the camera's jumping up and down with them <laughs> like there's a whole different kind of if I wish I knew more about like film and TV, but I feel like there's a whole different aesthetic going on in this episode.
0: Yeah, they're set, They're settling into. They're settling into their <laughs> sort of like visual language, um, but the bit then. So Buffy runs to the bronze, mm. and you've got this like really like nineties twangy music playing, mm. and she spots Owen dancing with charisma of all people, mm. and the lyrics are. What do they say? Um,
1: She's just a girl... Or you're just a girl... A girl, girl with, with no, no shame. shame.
0: <clears throat> so then it continues... I can't avoid... I can't complain... I know exactly who's to blame... The girl that shares my... And then it cuts off. Mm. But presumably the last lyric is... The girl that shares my Owen. Yeah. Because that's the sentiment of, of you know, the scene.
1: Absolutely. Uh, I mean... In terms of rhyming scheme, you think that it might be name, but that doesn't make any sense.
0: can't complain. I can't avoid, can't complain. I know exactly who's to blame. The girl who shares, shares my... Shares my brain? Pain?
1: pain? Yeah. Eh, I don't know. Dame? <laughs> Crane?
0: Crane? Crane. Crane.
1: Crane. Like, maybe the job share <laughs> on a building site.
0: and that's a very complicated (laughs) collegial relationship (laughs) (laughs) they're like sharing the foreman
1: like she does mornings and he does the afternoons
0: (laughs) so so then we're on the bus
1: oh yeah yeah i feel like i've been on this bus
0: so this bus What's this guy's deal, first of all?
1: So, at this point, so there's this guy on the bus who's going around saying things like, the pale horse emerged with death as his rider, you will be judged. Yeah. At this point, he's not a vampire, is he?
0: No, exactly. He's just like a person.
1: So is he just really religious. Is that the deal?
0: Yeah, we assume that he's some sort of, you know, like that kind of like homeless evangelical vibe, like that kind of like right raving on the street kind of person. He definitely
1: sounds like the kind of preachers you get on Sucky Hill Street sometimes. Yeah, yeah, with exactly. With the big microphones. Like and... the ones
0: that are like really into fire and brimstone.
1: Yeah, yeah. And not into being gay generally. Yeah. If you are listening and you are a non-homophobic street preacher on Buchanan Street, then we're very sorry.
0: Yeah, yeah, we're we're.
1: I'm not saying everybody f- is, but a lot of them are quite. Yeah, generally, yeah. yeah.
0: Um. So I my question, well, not even a question, it was like an observation about this. So did you notice what kind of bus it was? Uh, no. It's an airporter bus. Okay. uh you can see like in a few different scenes, it's like Sunnydale Airporter. So I have I have two things to say about this being an airporter bus. Mm. One is that there is no luggage anywhere on this bus. Is, it, is have, it,
1: like, underneath,
0: or...? No, there's no underneath, you can tell, because it's, like, it's one of It's quite a little
1: like, bus, yeah. It's, like,
0: one of those, like, kind of low-set buses, like, set right on the wheels. Mm. Um, so there's no, there's no luggage anywhere. And maybe they're all just travelling with their, like, you know, <clears throat> Berlin bum bags to avoid... Mm. Uh, baggage things but no that wouldn't be the case because 1987 you could bring like 17 suitcases with you and you wouldn't have to pay anything right
1: even on a Ryanair flight
0: even on a Ryanair flight Mm. so 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 one it's weird that there's no luggage on this airport or bus but the second thing that's more weird is that it just like kind of goes to show what kind of behavior you could get away with in an air transit setting before 9-11
1: so is this guy getting off a plane
0: well let's say he's either on his way to a plane or on his way back from a plane because he's on the airport or bus those shuttles Mm. they go from airports to places right
1: so yeah i don't know i mean i could be wrong but i kind of imagine that if you were walking around saying what is it the pale horse emerged with death as his rider you will be judged you will be judged on your way to the airport somebody would be saying something
0: yeah, or even if it was on the way back, you'd be like, what, did you just, like, hold this in for your flight from, you know, Milwaukee or whatever, like, the whole way? Like, I don't believe mm. that you're capable of holding that in. So we have to assume that this guy is about to get on a plane spouting this kind of nonsense. And, I mean, maybe maybe it's not what you could get away with before nine eleven. Maybe this is what you can get away with if you're white and you're getting on a plane mm. before nine eleven. Do you know what I mean? But um, I think that's just another moment where it shows how things change because if someone was doing that on an airport or bus at the moment... I mean, there'd be, like, a SWAT team called in.
1: Yeah. Yeah, you wouldn't get yeah. anywhere near the airport.
0: Mm-hmm. On um, the number
1: 38 <clears> night <throat> bus um, in Glasgow, though. Oh,
0: that's the one that goes from, like, your place to my place.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I've been on that bus many times, and uh, I've heard some stuff about the Pale Rider of Death.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, usually they're playing, like, you know... um uh cascada you know heaven off their phone at like maximum volume as well (laughs)
1: while shouting (laughs) the pale horse of death (laughs) emerges.
0: yeah (laughs) well heaven because it's you know it's a it's a religious song
1: (laughs) you will be judged (laughs) (laughs) you will be judged (laughs) heaven wasn't by cascada that was dj sammy
0: oh wait what did cascada do
1: um, and Miracle. every time we touch, I get, I get this
0: feeling, feeling. Okay, every
1: yeah. time we kiss, that's where I could
0: fly. Sorry, it's all, it's like the the, the narrowing gaze of memory has like smooshed them all together for me. <laughs> you will be judged. Next is the next day. Mm. I think the next is um, <clears throat> when like Buffy's in the hall with Xander talking about how Owen was dancing with Cordelia. Mm. And kind of, you know, just sort of like lamenting the the missed opportunity and and everything. And then Owen Owen turns up. And they have like a little exchange. And I really like this moment because uh Xander actually uh does some great face acting in this scene. Mm. Uh, in his sort of reacting to like Buffy and and, and Owen. Um but there's also um Like one of those little moments that like tells you something about like the class difference between Xander and the other people
1: Mm. in his group
0: where Owen's like oh here have my watch and if you look it's like a Christian Dior watch which is a very expensive
1: it looks like some kind of like enchanted motherfucker like it's a big gold thing and yeah it's
0: a it's a pocket watch it's like a golden Dior pocket watch it
1: looks like an alethiometer exactly yeah. yeah
0: Uh, and then Xander looks at his and it's like a little plastic tweet you watch, mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. which
0: to be fair, you could probably, it would probably fetch like at least two, $200 at the minute um, <laughs> as like a retro wrist, as a retro wrist piece. Um, but probably
1: not at that point. Not
0: yet. But no, at that, at that point, no, it wouldn't have. Um, but yeah, just like another one of these little hints that like Xander doesn't have the same, you know, like Xander's mom doesn't work at the gallery. You mm. know, that's all I'm saying. You know, mm. and we become more aware of that as as it goes on. Sure he's got a certain Owenacity, but um and then Buffy runs into Giles in his office. And Giles is having a lovely moment to himself.
1: Mmm. Sitting so just having some quiet time.
0: He's just made himself a cup of tea. hmm And he's listening to this like gentle uh kind of lounge classical piano music. Mm. which to my mind sounds quite a lot like the music uh that you hear when you're buying furniture on the sims it really does i like to look and then you know buffy comes in and interrupts and she's all manic and girly and like you know wants her night off whatever and he's like i like like to read this scene as like buffy interrupting giles as he was about to sit down for like a good game of the Sims. I can see that. Yeah, although I don't think The Sims actually came out until maybe like two thousand.
1: Oh, definitely not ninety-seven. Yeah. Surely not. I think it was later than that.
0: Yeah, and we do know that Giles doesn't like um, technology from <clears throat> the last episode, or maybe it's the next episode. Can't remember, but um, yeah, no, lovely, lovely, lovely uh, little insight into Giles's world as like. his moto-
1: quiet time. Yeah. Yeah,
0: as an autonomous human.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: what happens next?
1: Uh, we've got a uh, very weird gender politics um, in this scene where Buffy's dressing for her date. Um, I know, we're not we're not really going into the weird gender politics, but we need to acknowledge it at this point. It's weird. It's like Buffy's dressing for her date and Xander is like trying to get her to wear loads of clothes so that he can't see her body. And then warns her that she must not kiss Owen because if she does, the whole school will lose respect for her. Yeah. Mm. And
0: it just add it to the evidence pile for Xander being the worst, you know? Yeah. Yeah, they're quite unfazed by it. Like when he says it, they just kind of look at each other and like roll their eyes like, that's Xander for you.
1: Well, watching this at 23, I was completely unfazed by Xander. Like, I didn't love him, but I was just like, yeah, that's what people are like
0: yeah and yeah. now i'm
1: like that is not that's not what people should be like
0: yeah exactly
1: <laughs> but yeah at 23 i didn't really necessarily expect better of people which is terrible i should have, done. <laughs> I should have asked for more uh,
0: but 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 this all sets up for for they go downstairs and they think it's owen but it's actually giles and this mm. scene's great
1: oh yeah yes uh
0: so do you have anything for this scene
1: this is the scene where buffy says to giles This is the 90s, the 1990s in point of fact.
0: Yes, yes. Like any good 90s TV show, they have referred to themselves as occupying the 90s. Mm. And and no, it's like a manifesto for the show in the sense that it's like, this is the 90s. I can have a a job and a man, you know? I
1: don't remember ever like feeling self-reflexive about the fact that it was the 90s. I mean, I suppose, to be fair, Buffy would have been born in like the 70s. So she's kind of she's experienced at least one other decade by this point whereas in the 90s we'd really only experienced the 90s so
0: yeah i think obviously when the millennium came we were like self-conscious about the millennium yeah if if anything else just because of you know like the y2k bug and all that Mm. and the robbie williams song and you know all that but yeah i think it's quite funny that like the 90s was was defined as this time when when they could have everything Mm. and they did. and they did and that's why we that's why we can't have anything now because (laughs) they they had everything back then they had all there was to have and now we can't have anything at all (laughs) um so yeah it just it stings a little
1: (laughs) yeah it's true (laughs)
0: um and then and then again she's like you know if the apocalypse comes beat me which again became a bit of a like t-shirt motto for buffy Mm. right like this sort of like vampires but modern Um,
1: (laughs) and this is her pager right she's got a pager
0: uh i was calling it a beeper oh are they different
1: i I have no idea
0: yeah i don't know either actually to be honest
1: i remember there was one in um because they were like, you know, when I was too young to have one when they were a thing. Um, but in Nellie and Kelly's classic song, Dilemma, uh, there's, yes. there's a... He pages her, doesn't he?
0: Or beats I don't know, her or whatever. I think that's actually um, maybe a Blackberry? Is it a Blackberry? Oh, I it? could be wrong. I could ah. be wrong. I could be wrong. But yeah, because he sends her like an Excel sheet that says like, you know... <laughs> you up or something along those lines.
1: An Excel sheet, is it?
0: Yeah, yeah. No, if you zoom in, it's like whatever he sent her the message on, it's like an Excel street where one of the cells is just like, hey, how you doing? Or like, hey, I missed you. <laughs> <laughs> you have to look back at it.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. I'm totally gonna. <laughs> yeah. If the apocalypse comes, beat me.
0: So then we go to the bronze. Mm-hmm. Sadie, ask me.
1: What? What what am I asking you?
0: What's happening at the bronze?
1: Oh, sorry, (laughs) sorry. What's happening at the bronze?
0: I will tell you what's happening at the bronze. Um,
1: I've got it written in my notes. I can't believe (laughs) I didn't know what you were talking about. I've literally (laughs) written at this point what's happening at the bronze. (laughs) And then I've written lady with very straight hair.
0: The lady with the very straight hair is the vocalist for the band Velvet Chain. Uh Ah, And Velvet Chain, uh, this song that's playing is strong by Velvet Chain. It -hmm. was on the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the first Buffy the Vampire Slayer album, Mm -hmm. which I got, I think, for Christmas 1999. Mm -hmm. I think it was Christmas 1999 and I was got it by my aunt, my Aunt Mary. Who she had Sky and she used to at my behest tape Buffy episodes oh. off Sky and what a then po- and then post the VHS to me.
1: Oh, that's lovely.
0: So, like you know, I know the song very well. Uh, it didn't impress me that much back mm-hmm. then. Although you know, I think the sound has come back around. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so Velvet Chain, I actually did a little bit of research into them because now you know i've got the internet i've got broadband internet which we didn't have back then Mm. and i can i can do research into you know every single like minor appearance uh from a band in in the bronze and so this band actually they released an ep about two years later Mm. um called the buffy ep and on that ep and i'm gonna ask you to join me now um so i'll let's see if i can get get this up uh they released a song called buffy open parentheses she's the slayer close parentheses uh and then they they named their ep after that and uh (laughs) I'm going to I'm going to send you the link now so, so that you can listen to it. Mm-hmm. Um, a warning for anyone who hasn't watched Buffy before would need to come in, because if anyone who has not watched Buffy before were to listen to this song, it would spoil the entire second series.
1: <laughs> Imagine releasing such a spoiler-heavy song. What a dick move! I know. She's, She's the Slayer. The
0: slayer. Oh. oh yeah.
1: Whoa. The, vampire the Vampire Slayer! slayer. Oh yeah! Oh, yeah. Beautiful. She says, could we have
0: more irony?
1: Irony? Not
0: irony. <laughs> could we have more irony?
1: <laughs> I refuse to <laughs> mock her pronunciation, but.
0: Oh god.
1: Also, it's quite funny. Whoa! That was unexpected.
0: The horns or whatever they were. She's the slayer. Play this at my funeral, honestly.
1: That would be quite a dick move to play this at your funeral when there might well be people who haven't seen the second series there. I mean, no, that's not going to (laughs) happen.
0: Oh my God, the song just keeps going, doesn't it? It really
1: does. Does not stop giving. (sighs) That was a wild ride.
0: Okay, I'm trying to I'm I'm trying to get back into the zone here. Where we're are we? We're back in the bro-
1: we're in the bronze. We're in the bronze. Okay, we're in the bronze. And Buffy's on the date with Owen.
0: Mm. And and then Cordelia sees. Um, Cord is this? Yeah, Cordelia walks up and like Looking tries fabulously
1: nineties to... with her hair yeah. all crimped.
0: And it's quite a fun moment because like you see Buffy like put her arms around Owen and it's just like you would need to go away and she's like really enjoying having having this like. This little moment of superiority to mm. to charisma, and uh, the competition continues because then Angel turns up and mm. Cordy's like,
1: "Well, hello, salty goodness! Pick up the phone, call nine one one, because that boy's gonna need some serious oxygen when I'm done with him." <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, your delivery is perfect. Thank you. Um,
1: thank you. I-, I actually auditioned for the part. What a disgusting display.
0: Oh, yeah, so then the chat between Buffy and Owen is, like, really excruciating. Oh, this Because this is when yeah. we realise that he's an absolute He's actually boy.
1: a twonk, yeah. yeah. Um When he says, um, yeah, so they're on a date, and then uh, she she asks him a question, I can't remember, she says something, and he's like, oh, well, yeah, I, just, I don't get out much because I just find most girls pretty frivolous.
0: I hate, but before he says, I don't get out much, he says oh, it's my fault. I don't get out much. It's That's like uh, very like, oh, my biggest flaw, it's that I'm a perfectionist. Uh, do you know it's like? Uh, it's my fault. I just find most people just very frivolous. And,
1: uh,
0: um, and yeah, yeah. It's just like, what do you, do like, you think you're so fucking special just because you like Emily Dickinson? Yeah. Like, yeah, do you forward. like- like, do you like any poets that aren't on your high school English syllabus?
1: Oh, ah, oh, that was
0: I'm sorry, oh. but oh, I'm like, salty. This isn't. This isn't in nothing against Emily Dickinson or, you know, like Sylvia Plath. But if like your favorite writer is someone that was given to you by your English teacher <laughs> in high school, like you're not really, you're you're not as like edgy or unique as you think you are. I'm sorry. Yeah,
1: I mean, I say like what poets you like, and if anyone listening to this is a big fan of Emily Dickinson, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: But it, it's i'm more gonna like, stop
1: doing that i'm gonna stop doing that but like but it's
0: it's, it's thinking thinking that that makes him so different exactly
1: like who you like but don't make out that other people are shit yeah
0: yeah i'm sorry I just man. find most
1: girls pretty... also what does like getting out have to do with like finding girls frivolous like yeah if you this if you dislike female identifying people then hang out with you know there's other people as well or what? just go.
0: or just go to the bronze by yourself like willow does
1: yeah, exactly. Like getting out has nothing to do. Like it doesn't even have anything to do with who you're hanging out with. But like, yeah, yeah like oh, I don't like girls, so I just stay in the house by myself. Like, mm-hmm. make some pals.
0: Did I say something wrong? But when Xander and um, Buffy turn, or Xander and uh, Willow turn. Willow. Off. And this is one of my favorite, like Willow lines in in series one mm. or in any series, to be mm. honest. Because when they're when they pretend that they're on a double date and then say to Buffy, like, you know, or Xander's like, hey, let's go to the funeral home. And Willow says, I've always wanted to go there. And like opens her eyes so
1: wide. It's very like, charming. so
0: wide. It is it's just a, a beautiful Willow moment. Very lovely. Um Alright, what do you what do you have for me?
1: Um I think it's really sweet how, although we don't like Owen, uh, his excitement about going to the funeral home is kind of adorable. Um, I just, I don't know who this guy is. Like, he's into Emily Dickinson. He's, he's all sensitive. I guess he's supposed to be like obsessed with death. That's the thing, isn't it? So he's a wee goth boy, although, yeah, he doesn't wear the the goth outfit. And uh, he's like, yeah, we're going to go and see a dead body. Oh, exciting. Um, And Buffy says no, but he follows them there anyway. And it's quite interesting
0: again back to like the death culture of california mm. um because i mean certainly coming from like an irish background um a funeral home doesn't really hold much like mystery to us because all of our homes have been funeral homes because we have we have you the wake in, in the our house, house yeah so the idea of like let's go to a funeral home and see a dead body it's like we're, we're we see so many dead bodies like we don't really need to Mm. do you know just wait for a cold winter and we'll see another one do you know what i mean um, yeah so yeah that's just another little cultural difference i think between mm. between uh 90s california and you know like East ireland i guess
1: mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> um are we just are we just going to go straight into pork and beans
1: i guess so yes yeah. so they arrive at the funeral home. Giles has been Giles was there early. I don't know if we covered that, but Giles had already gone down and yeah. been cornered by a bunch of vampires. So there's this scene where Buffy finds him and he's been hiding in a drawer cuddled up with a dead body. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Giles. He's very he's very sweet though.
0: Um and in the me- wait, that's that's Buffy by herself finds him, right? Because I Xander think so, and Willow Malo- yeah. are already with Owen uh in the flower room or something
1: yeah it's it's got yeah the room what's it called it's called like the visitation room or something yeah yeah like that's that. it. yeah yeah, it's got like a wee sign on the door but um yeah Buffy kind of sticks them in there to keep them safe mm-hmm. but unbeknownst to her that is the room that the ultimate preacher baddie vampire is in
0: Whose name, by the way, for some reason, so I've been, again, I've been watching it with subtitles on the whole time, we've just got into the habit of it now, and I find mm. it actually quite focusing, because like, sometimes mm. when you read the thing, you're like, oh, that's a lot weirder than it appeared to be when it came out of their mouths. Uh, um,
1: yeah, I watch everything with subtitles, I don't really know why, yeah. but...
0: Um. So, he is subtitled as, his name is <laughs> Borba.
1: Borba
0: bor borba b-o-r-b-a borba so that's apparently his name borba okay is
1: according that his to, first name or his second name
0: well according to amazon uh prime uh, but i don't know if that's his first or second name but borba ah. borba's his name apparently so
1: i guess is it an american name we haven't heard of
0: yeah maybe it's like a, a preachy down south name or something uh and yeah he comes out with some mad shit uh principle among them so he seems to think that he's been sort of like you know reincarnated in a jesusy way uh to sort of fulfill god's plan
1: yeah so he says a bunch of like sort of pseudo scripture kind of things about like being judged and cutting the wheat from the chaff and uh kind of things that sound biblical and then inexplicably to me there may yeah, be an explanation, moment. but to me, it's an inexplicable moment. He just says, "Pork and beans, pork, pork and, and beans." beans.
0: <laughs> um, my theory for this one is that the writer lost a bet with a friend that he would have <laughs> to put the the phrase "pork and beans" into his next episode.
1: <laughs> I can't think. I mean, like, but I mean, we don't. We didn't know. You know, like. Borba is probably just a name we haven't heard of before that's, like, really common in bits of... There's all parts of American culture we don't know anything about, so...
0: My other the theory biblical, is...
1: Ref, the biblical significance of pork and beans. If anybody knows, write in, let us know.
0: The other theory I had was that... Because he's talking about him and, like, God being together in the body or him and Jesus being together or whatever. No. And was he saying that, like, they're, they're together like pork and beans, like... Like we go together, like, <laughs> like that kind of way. Like la
1: la di dim dim-de-dum. I mean, being a vegetarian and Scottish, like, yeah, I wouldn't even have known that pork and beans were something you would eat together.
0: You can get like the Heinz cans that have like beans with little bits of pork little in them. Like little, like little sausages, yeah.
1: Would you not just call that beans with sausages in though? Mm. <laughs>
0: yeah again we, we need some input here yeah
1: from, please help we, us let's let's get Borba.
0: but we'll get Borba on the show next time
1: do you think we could get hold of him mm. i mean Borba's the name of the character so yeah. so we'll fight well yeah Very yeah,
0: good try um uh he's got some tattoos as well the tattoo on his back says honor ah uh-huh. and the, the tattoos he's got tattoos on both pectorals uh, one of them seems to be sort of like a dragon or a lion or something, and the other one seems to be kind of like a sassy grim reaper.
1: Oh Borba.
0: Porkin that. But yeah, Buffy's talking to um Xander and Willow about how like something about basically about how the night went and how she's, mm. you know Owen's gonna be scared and never want to talk to her again mm. and and then it turns out Owen does want to talk to her again,
1: but only because he just is after her fighting prowess.
0: Yes, he he wants to live dangerously. Owen is a, is a bit of a danger slut, mm. basically. Mm. Uh, and this all uh, this conversation happens to the most like Lilith fairy.
1: Oh yeah, it's nice the soundtrack.
0: Dawson's creaky mm-hmm. music you ever oh, and actually,
1: oh, oh. I can't remember what the song is, but it's something along the lines of like.
0: And I, feel, I live in places. Yeah, that kind of thing. I feel things in my heart. Great. And he actually feels quite modelled on Dawson.
1: Ah, I see. Yeah, yeah, I can see that.
0: But I don't know, I think actually I think the Buffy came out before Dawson's Creek. I could did be it? wrong, but I think it did. Yeah. Um uh, so yeah, he wants to go with Buffy, he wants to go pick a fight in a bar because he's never felt more alive than with all the danger. And then Buffy's heart really falls and yeah. and and she's a lot chiller about this than she should be, because she should tell him where to go. Mm. Um but yeah, she realizes that, you know, he's only in it for the danger and you know, she'd get him killed mm. and and really the whole episode is setting us up for this moment now between, between Buffy and Giles.
1: Which is the real emotional core of the story. So really when I describe this episode as like disappointing teenage romance becomes... It's it's actually an episode about Buffy and Giles, isn't it?
0: Yeah, it's like... It's it's the first time that they have one of these conversations where Giles properly takes on like a pastoral role rather than like... He does a some really
1: a, good unkling in this yeah, episode. Yeah, you know...
0: He, he shares his experiences with her he 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 meets her where she is do you know
1: this is a, the true love story of this episode and i don't mean it in the like a romantic like teacher people sense nothing like that love can come in many shapes and forms mm-hmm. and the love between a slayer and her watcher is a real kind of love yeah he does care about her